The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect those of Element FM. You're in the Barber Shop with Bruce Barber and Andrew St. Germain, where we chop it up about entertainment, culture, and our own experiences in the city. Welcome to the Barbershop with Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain, and Luca Capone. And we're here today and we're going to talk to Ansley Simpson later. Very excited. New album is coming out in February. She fell from the sky and she's playing next Saturday, December 14th for the December Will Be Magic Again Kate Bush tribute event that's going on in the Paradise. As long I've as I've been. As, well, as long as we've lived in Toronto, there's been no Paradise. It's been gone for like 15 years, right? How do you know about it? Because I know stuff. <laughs> He's bringing the Andrew's trying to bring the paradise back to this city. He needs. To. I well, that was my motto. I was like, I'm going to move to Toronto and bring the paradise back. Now, is Thunder Bay full of paradise? Mm. <laughs> is that a paradise? Naturally, yes. Yeah. Socially, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Socially, it's a little bit of a mess. Yeah. But paradise, I like old buildings like that. Yeah, me too. And I like old schoolhouses for some reason. I think that there's something really eerie about that. Oh yeah. So my old school was an uh, old church. Really? Which is even yeah. more eerie. It was a, a nun, uh, like where the nun stayed. Is it, a, is it called oh. a nunnery? A nunnery, yeah. Or a hen? I, I didn't want to say it wrong. Hen house? <laughs> Cut. Where's that dumb button? <laughs> <laughs> now I asked you to stop calling me that. Oh. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> Speaking of my week. <laughs> okay, tell me about your week. All right, Speaking so, of dumb button. So I, going through a breakup. All right, mm. we'll put that out there. That's a bummer. So on top of that, <laughs> I get hit by a car at Walmart parking lot. And do you know who was behind the wheel? Um, through the tinted glass, it was a, a female. But anyways, what happened I didn't was... didn't ask for sexism. I just asked. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't want... <laughs> no stereotypes. No, no stereotypes whatsoever. <laughs> um, so anyways, this car came out. It was probably like a Toyota Corolla or something backing out and backed up so fast that I actually hit my thigh oh. into the back rear of the car. So I was able to jump out of the way... And then I hit her car with your with arm. my hand in my groceries, which good thing I didn't have eggs. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good news. Yeah, and then all I heard was a and then did they get sped out? Off. Uh, no, nothing. No, no, no. They drove way. off. They drove off. I tried to take a picture of the car, but it yeah. turned out blurry because I'm like obviously jolted. Yeah. Do you have a, like a broken leg or something? No, I'm actually perfectly okay now. No bruise. No. I was able to jump out of the way like the car, and then I went this way. Bruce ain't bruised. But yeah, just the getting hit by a car. Why wouldn't they stop for it? That's so crappy. That's a hit and run. Have you been hit by a car before, Luca? I've hit people with my car. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've fallen off a car while I was. Where moving. were you the night of the crime? Where oh, were boy. you? Uh, were you at you? Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Bruce. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> Bruce got the last can of lentils. He'll pay for this with his life. I'll get him for sure. Maybe Son of a was, gun. Maybe there was a revenge aspect to it. <laughs> Which Walmart was it? Uh, Queensway. I've never been to that Walmart it's before. By Sherway Gardens. If it was the Walmart near Golden Mile, then I'd be very shocked because I like that Walmart a lot. Yeah. So I had a fabulous week. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit of heartbreak and potential thigh break. Thigh break. <laughs> it actually hurts more than the heartbreak. Were the groceries saved? Yes. Okay, good. And luckily I didn't throw them. This is why it's good to travel with a drink in your hand because you could just throw your coffee at them or something. Or. Yeah. You right? should carry eggs on you all the time so you can just kind of wire 
<laughs> an egg shot right in someone's and back. You can hard boil them and make them. That's the thing. You yeah. can you can go for a myriad of different eggs. Yeah. Hard boiled's a different texture. Then you got the splatter shots, a little bank yep. splatter. But to travel with eggs all the time, Luca. You know what? That's the world we live in right now. We need instant revenge and in egg form. Absolutely. I think the revenge is just walking around with lingering scent of eggs everywhere you go. That's why if you hard boil them, they stink worse. That's true. Well, I've, <laughs> I've been hit by a non-hard-boiled egg. I've never been hit by a hard-boiled egg before. Who threw the egg at you? My mom. Oh. <laughs> wow. No, no, she didn't throw it. My dad it. threw a hot dog at me once. Really? Yeah. Off the grill. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's kind of like That's kind of like a Hanna-Barbera situation. You try to catch it with your mouth. You've never had any hot dogs or eggs. You've never had anything thrown at you. You know what? No. We're going to change that. We're you better watch out, Jack. Things are flying. We're yeah. going to the street dog cart, and we're going to be tossing some hot dogs. Julian Mann has the munchified bags going on. I got organic, what is it? Organic quinoa clusters. I got a Double quinoa chocolate. cluster gently handed to me. Yeah. JT, have you ever been, had a egg thrown at you before? Oh, yeah. Have you ever been hit by a car? Yes. Oh, I know this story. It was after a show. Was. Well, I, sure. I, I I was hit by a car in Hamilton years ago after uh, a show. It was a stagger crossing show, and it was a snowstorm. And uh, I was trying to flag a cab, and the cab didn't see me uh, and bowled me over. About, wow. The cab was going about 40 clicks. I flew over the uh, hood of the car, busted the window, flew into a ditch, and I only broke my toe. Wow. That's wow. what that's why you should be lubricated if you are getting hit by a car. Wow. And did that moment strike you to become the superhero that you are today with your cool new goggles? It was. Uh Julian has the coolest toque ever. He usually has the coolest clothes ever, but he has a super cool ass toque right now that has goggles kind of embedded within the toque itself. Like do they do those goggles possess any special Powers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can actually see through people's clothing. Oh boy! Which I don't know is a super if it's superpower or not. It's a blessing. It's a curse. creeper power. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. are the night creeper. <laughs> you have taken o- over the role from the past, Doctor John. I can also jump over tall ships. I love it. So shout out to JT. He is the night creeper. He is playing December nineteenth at the Horseshoe with the terrific Tanika Charles. That'll be a fabulous show. And just a few nights before. It's Ansley Simpson and all of her friends at the Kate Bush show. Absolutely. Should we jump into that interview? Let's, I think we should. Let's talk to Ansley. Originally from Alderville First Nation, but grew up in Wingham, Ontario, Ansley Simpson is a Toronto-based Anishinaabe singer-songwriter and the inaugural winner of the Bullseye Emerging Artist Award from Imaginative, and in 2017 released an otherworldly collection of trans-like tales of heartbreak, rebirth, and transformation called Breakwall. How's it going, Ansley? Ah, Ani Bojo. It's going well. Thanks. So, where um, where in the world are you right now? <laughs> um, right now, I am actually in Owen Sound. I came up last night to see the release of a, a new local label here, um, Wire Tone. Um, they just released an Anishinaabe singer-songwriter's album, um, Jake Chigano. So, I was up just checking checking that out. Yeah. Cool. This is awesome. Is this like... Uh, and uh, Luca here, is this mostly uh, like Owen Sound-based uh, artists? I believe it is, yeah. I think that's their... Uh, I'm new to the... I'm new to, you know, learning about the label as well. Um, this is their 
clearly their first show that they've put on, but it, I believe that their focus is on local artists as well as um, Indigenous artists, too. They're a non-Indigenous label, but um, they seem to have good ties with the community. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool to check out. That sounds so yeah. fantastic. You didn't see it, yeah. but Luca's yeah. jaw dropped to the floor yeah. when you said that. <laughs> My chin is oh, bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was great, especially like I've, I've just been introduced to Jake Chagano's um, music. He actually passed away be- about a year and a half ago before this album was released and left a huge collection of songs that um, that uh, his friends have been going through with the family. And so it's just really, I think there's an extra layer of, of specialness, I guess, to this album because it was sort of, released in in a good way and in his honor and the songs are great i've been really enjoying them so yeah that's why i'm up here right now mm-hmm. so you guys andrew and bruce you guys saw ansley at the two spirit cabaret it was like a couple weeks ago right we did yeah, we were there did you see us <laughs> I, you know it's so funny like that show was amazing to do i did not see you um, <laughs> we were kept quite buddies the way their green room works um, it's on a completely different level, so you feel really isolated from the actual audience. Oh, and wow. I was, I don't know, sometimes you imagine what the audience is going to look like, and then you get out there and realize it's completely different. Everyone's being so quiet. It was the quietest, quietest, like, cabaret. Yeah. Very, very attentive, listening audience, mm-hmm. um, which... <laughs> Honestly, sometimes throws you more than the rowdy ones. Well, in our defense, Michaela, was it Washburn? Michaela Washburn? Yes. She warned us, like, not warned us, but she just, the way she <laughs> introed you, it was like, listen very carefully to what, to what Ansley has to say. Like, like, listen, <laughs> she's quite the wordsmith, so pay attention to the words. <laughs> Felt like an, an assignment. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yes. I did hear that. It was a beautiful introduction for sure. And, and then I got on stage and there, it was painfully quiet. And uh, <laughs> I was setting up my gear because the stage for this venue had dancers. So you mm. can't just leave your gear up on stage or, you know, that's a hazard. So, and, and there's nothing more nerve wracking for me anyway, as an artist than in a quiet room with everyone staring at you, like, you know, trying to make sure all your pedals are plugged in. And of course one wasn't, oh. so I wasn't getting any, any sound. And I'm like, no. And it takes a, for shows like that, when you only have a couple songs to play, um, it can take a good couple songs to just feel grounded and locked in. So it's, if they're fun to play, don't get me wrong, but there's an added element of stress mm. going into shows like that. But the audience was so great. That night was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to, to more of nights like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, your performance was amazing. We <laughs> it was both a beautiful enjoyed set. it. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the whole you. show in general and just the, the lineup alone, it was an amazing night. Yay. And so we're curious if there's like any backstage hijinks that were happening behind the scenes of the cabaret. Oh, my goodness. It, you know, that one was an interesting one, too, because it was multidisciplinary. So there was, like, artists that were performers. You know, burlesque. There was a camera crew backstage. Um, yeah, so hijinks. Oh, I think everybody has this idea that backstage is way more exciting than what it is. Um, we had a riveting conversation about um, medical benefits and being Ooh. an artist. And who gets coverage under what, you know, we were comparing music benefits that you can buy through SoCan now versus (laughs) 
you know, the acting community. So that was that was quite wild. Oh my I god! I had some berries. You had what? <laughs> I had some berries and some tea. This isn't so yeah. the rock and roll that I was expecting. <laughs> hey, berries are rock and roll. What type of yeah. berries are we are talking here? That's right. They were blackberries. Oh, blackberries. Oh, you just nailed it. That's freaking rock and roll. I take it back. That's rock and roll. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I did read that you you have this regret before you go on stage. Like, why did I agree to do this? And then when it's over, you're just thankful and starving. Yeah. I have a lot of trouble eating before I go on. So, like, honestly, the most I can eat is berries. And I've been starting to put that on my rider just so that I have something in my stomach before I go on. Um, I get really nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, I think every performer does to some degree. Mm -hmm. And it's a real mental game of changing that anxiety into excitement um, and still maintaining a level of grounding that allows you to, for me anyway, play a guitar, you know, Mm -hmm. on stage and then sing and hold hold that energy and hold that space. It took me a, it took me a long while to get to the point where I could do that. So I still have to monitor, I guess, my, what I'm, what my brain is telling me before I go on stage. And it's like the day of a show, I, 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 they're, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> just to keep my body in like, yes, no, you really do like doing this. You enjoy this. This is, you're going to be okay. No one dies performing. I mean, mostly no one dies performing. <laughs> now, what I got to be fine. <laughs> I got to say, what if you are a lion tamer and you work at a circus? Because in that case, yes, exactly. you could die performing. I got to shout out to the lion <laughs> tamers out there. Thinks, yes, my brain thinks exactly like yours because I come <laughs> up with these. I used to be a I used to be a snowboarder and and so some of my anxiety and adrenaline level comes from that and when you're in sports you require and can outlet a lot of a lot of uh, adrenaline mm. through what you're doing but when you're just standing still on stage trying to hit tiny little strings and sing and hit <laughs> notes that you don't need that much adrenaline and so it's taken a while to just remind my body hey you know this is fine. Don't overdo it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So coming up, uh, December 14th, which is Saturday? December it is. 14th, That's yeah. Up fast day. yeah. Is yeah. a crazy yeah. cool show. December will be magic again. The Kate Bush. <laughs> Tribute, uh, and that's curated curated by Venus Fest. A whole crew of amazing artists are playing. I I dig Kate Bush. I've never jumped in heavily into her uh, discography. I'm curious, why should folks fall in love with Kate Bush? And how did you yourself fall kind of under her spell of music? Yeah. Oh, those are good questions. I'm really excited about this show. December always ends up having these shows where you get to do something a little bit different for some reason. But um, so when I got asked to do the show, um, I've listened to Kate Bush since I was a teenager. Um, I really appreciated how, how weird she got, how her lyrics just kind of, you know, they were not normal at all, um, especially for female recording artists. Um, and she didn't seem to care about her marketability, the commercial success of things. She really approached things from an artistic perspective. Um, that to me has always been 
um, first and foremost with, with her work and what I've wanted to do as an artist um, as well, especially in this industry, because I, I, I you know, uh, I get reluctant around the industry side of this. Um, I don't like the commercialization of, of music being the motivator. I like the art to be the motivator. And I feel like Kate really does an amazing job of that. So, yeah, I enjoyed just diving back into her music. Um, I hadn't listened to her more recent stuff. So there was a couple of songs, one in particular, I Dream of Sheep, which um, they did the video for that one. And she's just floating in a tank of dark water with a life vest on. And she sang it live. So when you watch it, the video for it, she's soaking wet floating in what looks like freezing cold water and i think she actually did get mild hypothermia oh my god and the reverb that you hear on the track is the reverb in the tank it's just gorgeous and you don't see that as an artistic choice happening very often where people will take it that extra step outside of just let's get this album out let's just get this you know track release let's get it on the radio kind of thing so yeah what i really like about it shout outs to kate bush who i'm sure is listening <laughs> 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 All right, so you got a new album coming out in February. She fell from the sky. Uh, will you be yes, working with you... James Bunton again? Um, James was my producer on the last two albums, and um, I really, really like working with James. He has an amazing way of of supporting artists with the with his production approach mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like it's imposing onto your idea and concept. So. You know, this was a concept album, and I don't feel like you can just um, hand that over to anybody, so to speak, and have it have them respect, especially being an Indigenous musician and wanting to tell an Indigenous story, the story that, you know, involved traditional elements to it. I really wanted to make sure it was in the hands of, of someone who respected the direction that I wanted to take it as an artist. And James is amazing at doing that. Um, he knows when to challenge uh, in order to help me get clarity on something versus step right back mm-hmm. and just facilitate what I wanted to do. So I've learned a lot from James and I continue to learn a lot from him. Um, and I'm, I'll work with him anytime moving forward as well. Yeah. Shout out to James. Shout out to James Bunton. Yeah. I know. I feel like all I'm doing is shouting out to people, but hey. honestly, <laughs> yeah. This is the <laughs> place not? to do it. <laughs> Along with uh, James Bunn, the connection that you had with him on Breakwall, just something that always just grabs me by the heart about that album is these like celestial strings from Chris Dirksen, Mika Posen. Are those collaborators, are those musicians also in the mix on this upcoming release? Yes, Mika is involved, actually, and Chris um, on this one for the strings. Once I feel like what Breakwall really did for me was solidify... Uh, certain members of the, of my team um, creatively, and uh, although there's a little bit of a different different musicians on this one, uh, Mika's back. Uh, she she is able to craft really beautiful soundscape. Um, she's you know strings that sort of blend on that level. She's amazing at just being able to put her in a room too, and sort of saying, okay, what do you hear? Um, as well as me just saying, okay, this is what I hear. Can you translate that into strings? Uh, so, yeah, she's on, I, uh, she's on a number of tracks. And then there was less 
room and space for cello this time with Chris, but she's on there as well. I really wanted to make sure, yeah, that 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 she played a really a really interesting part of this album without giving too much away. But it needed to be locked in, and it needed to have a, like a lower kind of register to it, and it it works really well. Between Breakwall and mm-hmm. this upcoming release, do you feel like there's a pretty significant kind of sonic shift in the sound? And are there any things that kind of any songs, musicians, albums that maybe have had kind of an influence on that? Yeah, good question. Um, Breakwell to me is an album where I was finding my voice as an artist, actually even literally. Uh, but before stepping into the studio, I had only recently been able to sing in front of people um, because of my level of anxiety. So I'd worked with a vocal coach for a while, Mika Barnes, or sorry, yeah, Mika Barnes, and uh, they got me to the point where I could sing in front of just myself uh, or my kid, um, and into being able to sing in a studio. I didn't expect to be able to sing live, and that came later. And so, yeah, Breakwall was literally about me finding my voice and finding my sound as an artist, and I think. The first song that I um, that I recorded was Medicine Hat, and that's the first song I actually wrote. Um, and the the last song that I recorded was um, The Burnt Land, I believe. I might have done the vocal onlys on the beginning and end last, but that last song, The Burnt Land, was, was one of my favorites to do. And that really, I feel, defines the sound going into this album. We get pretty theatrical in spaces, but we also break it down, and it's completely bare bones, me, and just an acoustic guitar, not a lot of effects, right into a full kind of chaotic song on around track six, and then I drop into an ambient song at one point. Um, ambient music is another uh, style of music that I really gravitate towards, and I have I have a lot of envy for people who can do that style. I'm kind of fast-paced and hectic, and... And to slow things down to an ambient level takes some effort on my part. But that's what I like to listen to to calm down. That's what I like to listen to to write. Um, so, yeah, I, I will listen to ambient albums for sure. Um, I try to actually avoid listening to a lot of a lot of albums when I'm in the studio because I feel like it's just too easy to become influenced and in very direct ways and not realize it. So I usually tap out of listening to anything when I go in and just try to, with this album in particular, represent the sound and the story that I wanted to bring across in sound form, sonic form. Um, Yeah, and so it does go to some pretty interesting places, uh, sonically, I think, anyway. Yeah. You're listening to The Barber's Shop with Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain, and Luca Capone, and we're talking with Ansley Simpson today. Uh, I, I was going to ask, you reference like ambient music, ambient artists. Like for me, when I when I listen to your music, I think of music and musicians like Cowboy Junkies, Casey Messia, Jennifer Castle, Royal mm-hmm. Wood. Um, for you, cool. I guess within the context of what you're describing, which artists kind of would you recommend when it comes to kind of like a more ambient kind of soundscape? So since I'm a known sound, definitely uh, one of the artists that I listen to is a local here, Josh Richardson. Um, I've liked what he does for a while. 
Um, Mika Posen actually did a, uh, a couple of her work is absolutely beautiful. So her ambient work. Yeah, Jonas Banana released an ambient album a couple of years ago from Evening Hymns, um, and he's a producer that I've worked with with Leanne before. His last album was great. I highly recommend it if people want to deep dive to to look into ambient musician, musicians and music. I feel like it's it's one of those underappreciated areas. Shout outs to all the artists you mentioned. You just crushed like so many fantastic Canadian artists, but specifically Josh Richardson, who like mm-hmm. through his music, he just captures the aura of like that Grey County sound. What types of like kind of areas across the country, Ontario, Toronto, have that like environmentally wise, just they create kind of like a sonic influence on you? Oh, yeah. Anytime I can get into the into the bush, for sure, that influences my work. That's where I feel the best. And it's one of the reasons why I leave the city so much um, nowadays is because I need to be in the forest. I need to be surrounded by trees and not hear traffic and, you know, buses and the general rumble of the city. So one of my favorite places on the planet is actually the Killarney area. Mm. Um it's absolutely gorgeous up there. And if I, if I try to get into the back country around there and as far away from things as possible in a canoe, uh, at least once a year, getting my nine-year-old daughter into backcountry camping. So I'm looking forward to the day where she can actually carry things. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely um, one of them. I've been coming up to this area since I was a teenager, growing up in Wingham, um, which is a very surrounded by a lot of farms. Uh, it was a difficult town to grow up in, and I ended up going to high school on Lake Huron in Godrich. And some of my songs on Breakwall reference Godrich, um, although subtly, Black's Point is where I used to go in high school to write songs. That beach and that coastline really influenced me and stuck with me for a really long time. And the same thing goes for the Georgian Bay area. Um, coming up here in high school. Yeah, in the wintertime in particular. Um, yeah, because of snowboarding. This Just being able to look out, like uh, Georgian Bay is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The colors that come off of that lake are incredible. Deep blues. And I really feel great when I can either be surrounded completely by trees or when I can look so far out on a lake that I don't see the other side. That's another. So those two things, I think, influence. They allow me to at least write, yeah, in a, in a way that I want and in a good way. Well, tell us about the closing yeah. song to Breakwall. It stuck out for me and Bruce because we're from Thunder Bay, the two of us, and it's called Sleeping Giant. Can you tell us about Sleeping Giant? I can. Um, yeah, it's, it's clearly it's written about Sleeping Giant. Um, I wrote it probably four or five years ago now. Um, And what it was was this song where I I wanted to see that giant in Thunder Bay. I wanted to see Thunder Bay wake up. um, Ooh, I like that. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, and so when I was writing it, I was thinking about what is the best way to wake someone up. And I had a young kid at the time, and I'm clumsy. And I find that when you're trying to be quiet, when you're trying to creep through um, to grab something out of my daughter's room or, uh, yeah, I, that's when I wake her up. And so the lyrics sort of were crafted off of that sleeping giant, I won't wake you 
walking through your bed, knowing that if you walk through and you visit the land and you visit something like that, that bringing your presence there is what wakes it up, bringing your presence and awareness. And so, yeah, I, I really, I really thought that was an excellent closer for that song. And then recently I was able to play the Wake the Giant Festival and sing it there. Oh, right. And it was one of my, this is, I think, one of the highlights of my performing career, so to speak, was that show. I mean, Wake the Giant, for starters, was put on by the the, the students um, and at the high school, Diefenbaker, is that it? Uh, Dennis Franklin Camargo. Dennis Franklin, thank you. Shout outs. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those students are phenomenal. That high school is phenomenal. It's like walking into that building, I, I got like all those uncomfortable feelings of being back in high school. And then I realized, well, wait a second, though. I'm not like the only brown kid. There's <laughs> everybody's indigenous. <gasps> this is great. And then I, I smelled fry bread. And uh, this girl, <laughs> without, even, without even saying anything, she looked at me and she's just like down the hall to the right. And I'm like, really? <laughs> wow. And I went and I got a scone dog. It was it just, you walk into the elders room and they're cooking and there's, there's lounges. It's an amazing school. So these students put on this show called Wake the Giant and they brought a pile of performers. It was huge. There was like 3,000 people there wow. in a park right down on the shore with Sleeping Giant off to the right of us. And so I got to sing Sleeping Giant for Sleeping Aww. Giant and I almost didn't make it through the song. Aww. Like it's, it was overwhelming. It was so cool. I'm not going to make it through this interview. <laughs> <laughs> and we missed the concert. Yeah, we missed it, yes. Bruce. Did you? Oh. <laughs> I, I wanted to say, oh, you didn't miss anything, but you kind of did. <laughs> I definitely did, yeah. Oh, my was happening right now. It, oh. was, it was so well done, too. Like, as far as an artist, I go to a lot of different festivals and things, and Honestly, whenever I get a chance to to play an indigenous run, anything, ah, it they're they're the best. <laughs> There's like you know things get you don't have to ask if you can smudge. They offer it kind of thing. They'll tell you when we're smudging. They're like you know all of the different protocols for what you're doing are respected. It's just as a default. It's always a dream. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of your songs capture the consciousness of nature and the environment. Did you find your collaborations with Tamara Lindemann's Elephant in the Room concert series to fit right into your wheelhouse? Yeah, that was really interesting getting to to um, be involved in the element Elephant in the Room. Uh, I, I will always say yes to an opportunity to speak about things that are dear to me, one of them being the way that we're treating the environment right now. As an Indigenous person, one of the ways that I survive living in a city is to connect to the nature that's around me, be mm. it a, a tree that's doing the best it can growing out of a tiny little square on Queen Street, <laughs> yeah, um, or locking into the bird sounds um, versus the traffic, uh, and opening up a dialogue with that. Uh, like Literally, as I'm walking through, I will talk to different things around me that are natural. So I feel like um, I have the responsibility with having a voice and a small platform to use that whenever I get a chance to. And I feel like Tamara is really doing doing some good work right now at bringing some awareness to a room full of people um, that maybe won't hear all of these perspectives all of the time. So you're playing the Kate Bush Tribute Night next Saturday, uh, December I am, 14th. Yeah. And uh, where's the venue again? The Paradise, it's at the Paradise Theater. Theater. Oh, yeah. Holy Hannah. Yeah. 
That's going to be know. pretty far out. It just opened, reopened like yesterday or something. I, yeah. Is yeah, it, I think it was a couple days ago that was their opening. Is it wrong that I kind of hope that it's haunted, but in a good way? Ah, <laughs> I don't think I know, so. I know what you mean. Like I if, think that that is great. Like yeah. if there's some cool ghostly adventures? <laughs> you'll be talking to yourself is, and you'll get an answer. <laughs> oh my God, this is exactly... <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to be thinking of now as I'm going to the backstage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout-outs to, again, to uh, Aaron Fogel's Venus Fest. Um, but in terms of curating this type of show, this type of tribute show, do you ever see yourself curating a Grateful Dead tribute night? Oh, my God. Oh, I would love to. That would be so great. Um, I, I don't know that I've ever – I, I always – I'm, this just sounds really bad, but anytime I'm ever at a festival or or at an event like this, I'm just like, whew, I'm really glad I'm not the one putting this on. <laughs> Ooh, they look stressed. <laughs> they don't look like they've slept in weeks. Yeah. But I really value when it's done well. That's the other thing. Like, Aaron does an amazing job because um, it's, it's thankless work, and it's not like it pays really well. Um, it's all about supporting artists for the most part when it's done right. Um, yeah, but I'd love to do a Grateful Dead cover band. I love as an Indigenous person, especially playing like Bob Weir songs, um, because he's and and just singing them with a couple of tweaks. Like I sing "Me and My Uncle," um, but I sing it as "Me and My Auntie," and then it, to me it flips completely in my head as like me two Indigenous women walking into a cowboy bar and you know playing cards and stealing their money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you are like a deadhead. You followed them on tour. Like that's crazy. <laughs> I am. Yeah, and I, honestly, like when I think about it, people always ask me about what artists influenced my work, and it's uh, honestly the dead really did because that's so dope. Uh, there's that linear storytelling in a lot of a lot of their songs. Um, yeah, like Robert Hunter is a great songwriter. He just passed um, this year, I think. Uh, but yeah, it, they were highly influential. So when I was like 18 and free floating and I'd just come through like a hard time, I'd hurt myself and injured. I was in an accident. I was injured and was in the hospital for a while. So I'd just gotten out of the hospital. It was like 1995 and I saw the entire summer tour from California back to the East Coast. And it ended up being the last summer tour because Jerry died like a month or two afterwards. Um, and it was life changing. Like I sold, I sold beer out of a cooler in a parking lot to, to like survive. Um, there was three or four friends and we just, it just was about going to see the music and, and watching and sort of absorbing that. So yeah, like now as so many years later, um, it seems kind of mind blowing. I'm so glad I did it. And I'm so glad it went well. Like it could have now I'm like, Jesus, we were just sleeping in uh, tents and rest stops, not realizing that that's where like the most murders happen. That's where the killer is. <laughs> we had no idea. Exactly. Like, <laughs> we're just, you know, Canadian. We didn't really understand what was going on. So, yeah. <laughs> did you fire off any Kate Bush or grateful dead jams? while you did open mics at Not My Dog or Kensington Lodge? Oh, wow. You dig deep, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, the early, I think, uh, I'm trying to think if I even did covers back then. 
or if I just kind of used it primarily, especially not my dog. I have a, I, there's a special place in my heart for that space. It was incredibly welcoming to a new musician, um, not intimidating at all, at all to play at, really good community out of there, a little rough, which I liked. Um, but mainly I use those, those places, I think, to work on my own material, although I do, I play a couple of Neil Young covers at one point, when I'm like, crap, I got to do a little set here. That was at Kensington Lodge, and I'm like, I think I only had seven songs that I'd written total. I'm like, oh, I got to I gotta pad this set out a bit. What else can I play? Yeah, but I'm not sure if I did any Grateful Dead songs on that one. And, and Kate Bush, this is one of my first attempts. Her, her register, like her vocal range is really high <laughs> in a lot of places. And so even just, I'm, I'm going to keep my songs a secret for what I'm playing, but picking those songs were really, it was challenging to get a good one, but to also get it in a way that I could guarantee that I could pull it off was not easy. Speaking of old songs, what was the song Plan Z about? Is it about oh zombies? Is it a song? Uh, I, I just see the letter Z and I think zombies. Is, yes, it was. It was. It's, good God, is that still up? <laughs> It's out there um, in the ether. It's out there in the ether, Zay. Shoot. Yes, that was a really fun song. It's funny. Um, it was It was written sort of like, if the world ended, what would I do? And I started off in my mind in that song in a bar in Parkdale, probably not my dog. Um, and then meeting someone and being like, okay, world's ending. What are we going to do? And it's like, okay, let's grab all of the good art from the art gallery. Let's load the car up with books. Let's head out. Let's go down to Detroit because back when I wrote this song, it was housing was really, really cheap down there. You could buy like a house for $30,000 or something ridiculous. And that actually seemed reasonable, except I forgot about the danger level. And then um, I'm like, oh, you know, obviously one of the best places to end up in a zombie apocalypse is like, like on the res. Let's go to Dene country. Let's, you know, let's hang out up there, learn some better <laughs> skills than what I know in the city. And then let's go find, you know, that cabin that my great, you know, grandpa had on his trap line and, and uh, settle there. So, yeah, it was one of these post-apocalyptic <laughs> songs that at the time, I, you know, there wasn't there wasn't Lisa Jackson's film out about the what the city looks like after the apocalypse or like while Bob Rice's book that is Moon on the Crusted Snow, which is kind of that take. It, I, I guess we were all sort of starting to think about that at the time, this post-apocalyptic world. That's so cool. Every now and then I play that one still. It's been rewritten a number of times, but I really like the sweeter, slower version, which I think is the one that's online. I, I don't know what I would do mm-hmm. in that situation. I think, yeah, you got to head north, right? i go to the yeah. Paradise Theater. Yeah, that might be the plan. <laughs> I hope there's not a zombie apocalypse next Saturday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think you want to be in the city for that. That's all. That'd be a nightmare. <laughs> I would head to our colleague, Doug Thompson's house, because I know he has to have a bunker full of, like, Campbell's soup Ooh. and stuff like that. <laughs> that's what it. That's what you need. Yeah. That's the move. I did want to ask, because I was reading that for uh, She Fell from the Sky, you've been reading a lot of creation stories. Do you find that this new album is going to be kind of manifested as a concept album? It definitely is, yeah. Yeah, I was reading and listening to a lot of creation stories and thinking about it a lot. 
And this album sort of, it's funny, I didn't write it in order. I wrote it completely out of order. And I think on song number three, I was like, oh, there's like, there's a really, I'm seeing a story thread through this. This feels like this song is locked in further down. This one feels like it's near the beginning of something like a journey. This one, you know, feels completely chaotic. And then I started just talking about it with James. And then seeing, oh, yeah, there's a definite thread here, going back, writing songs with the intention then of stringing it all together and ended up with this story that unfolds over about 11, well, exactly 11 tracks on the album. Kind of exciting, I think. It is exciting. And I think if I remember from the cabaret correctly, it's a catchy release date. It's like 2-20-2020. Is that right? Yes, it is. I mean, that's what we're aiming. That's what I'm aiming for. I'm self-releasing this one. I'm going to release it in a different way. Um, and there's sort of some some things that I'm keeping a secret for now around that. Luca's jaw just fell to the um, floor again. Yeah. Oh, I, I just oh, I blacked out for a couple seconds, but I'm, I'm oh, back. Yeah. Okay, I like it. But you're yeah, keeping it yeah, a secret. I wanna, yeah, it's going to be secret. I mean, the album itself, uh, like the storyline started when I was thinking again. I, when I get exhausted and tired and anxious, it's really hard to look at the world in a positive way, and I'm not really alone in seeing it that way. Um, and I started, I go back and I rely on our traditional teachings and our traditional stories, because that's where I find a lot of life. And also, um, we've already survived an apocalypse as Indigenous people. Mm. Uh, I was listening to, I've heard this before, but then I just saw Wab, Wab Rice talk about his recent book um, a couple, like a week ago. And he was saying the same thing. He's like, our people have already, you know, been through an apocalypse. So, you know, we're already living in this world. Um, So everybody else that maybe is catching up to that. So I was starting to think about that as a whole. Um, And what I kept coming back to is this idea that when Sky Woman fell, she brought with her such a strong creative force in my teachings and my understanding of, of the creation story. And there's that tendency to be like, oh, if she could just fall again, she could just fall again and bring all that creative energy with her and land, then maybe we could fix this. Maybe that would be enough to fix and heal where we are right now. And so I use that idea um, to kind of build this story. And I think it's track three. One of the characters is sitting in a bar um, watching Skywoman in the present day perform a set and to a room full of people that don't really want to be there, that don't really care. They're just there to drink. They're not paying attention. And in walks, this rock painter sits down, recognizes who she is and then comes up with this idea. Ah, maybe I could get her to fall again. Maybe that would solve things. But you know, whenever you come up with an idea in a bar, it's never the best idea. And (laughs) it's often not fully thought through. And so that in there as well that there aren't any shortcuts right and sometimes when you do something especially with traditional understanding and you mean well and you hit them you miss the mark you know a, some destruction can come with that some some upheaval can come with that some maybe not so good things can come with that uh and so that's all sort of built into this album as a climax and then there's a route out of it as well because I didn't want to I didn't want to leave people in a really dark place, even though we're facing that in some ways. 
I wanted to leave people because, again, we have all these teachings. We have what we need to be able to get through this, to heal the earth, to help ourselves, to feed our kids. We've got all of this. We just need to put it in place again. So, yeah, um, it, it. I feel like the album leaves you in a hopeful place, and I'm hoping people also walk away with that as well. Yeah, I'm really, I'm excited to share with it. I've, I finished it a couple years ago now, um, and then, and then, you know, have been taking some time to just catch my breath um, and, yeah, figure out how to release it in the world and sort of get my footing. So yeah, I'm excited that it's finally starting to roll out. Yeah, which should be rolling out in even. Uh, I think I think there's a sing- single. I think I can say there's a single coming out in January. So we'll see. I do have one more question. Uh, I can't help but ask it because I am a food nut. I love cooking, and I heard that you Ooh. are a master pickler. And I'm just curious Ooh. if there are any pickling <laughs> recipes that you're kind of really jonesing over right now. Oh yeah, you know. Oh, I've been eating a lot of pickled spicy green beans. I appreciate. Mm. I appreciate those. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When I had a bigger garden, I would get a bunch of green beans and pickle them myself. And then I moved to a different place that has like barely any gardening space. So um, I don't pickle as much. I do. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of nerdy around it. I do <laughs> lacto ferment. I have a lacto fermenting system where I make my own sauerkraut, um, different kinds of sauerkraut. I did one that has turmeric and ginger in it. And then I've been wanting to make kimchi. Yeah, so I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy something that involves a process, even I, if that's just like hanging laundry. I have a couple kimchi recipes. Like I, I, I not oh. regularly, but I make it like maybe every couple months. So if you want to collab on some kimchi, I'm happy to just like nerd out over some fermented cabbage. Okay, <laughs> it's done because I, I'm reluctant to just kind of grab one offline. I'd rather have a connection to someone who's actually tried it. And in the city, too, or, or at least in Canada, because, like, when you're getting recipes for lacto-fermenting down in super hot places, it's completely different when you throw it in your kitchen in the middle of winter. Oh, yeah. It doesn't work the same. Okay. <laughs> There's a little tip for everybody. I'm sure they came here for the uh, lacto-fermentation <laughs> tip. Hey, that's like the <laughs> that's bonus That's what for. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Ansley, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, where can our listeners reach you at? Oh, yeah, I'm on all the socials. Um, Instagram in particular. Um, my website, AnsleySimpson.com, that's where you'll get the most uh, album updates and yeah, for the rollout. Perfect. Yeah. We want to thank our special guest, Ansley Simpson, for joining us over the phone today, as well as everybody else who made this podcast happen, Andrew St. Germain, Luca Capone, and Gatano Giordano. And we'll see you next week on The Barbershop. Thanks, yeah, Angeli. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out in the barbershop. You can find more info on elmntfm.ca and on Twitter and Instagram at 1065 elmntfm.